I'm Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, and this is Sam Says, a podcast series focused on Illinois Medicaid managed care. Hello, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with Brenda Wolf, President and CEO of La Rabita Children's Hospital, to, disc- to discuss how telehealth has been utilized for children with special health care needs during and post pandemic. But first, let me welcome our host, the Sam and Sam Says, Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today? I am. I'm great. I'm excited to be here and to chat with Brenda and La Rabita and just really looking forward to Friday. Great. And so before we bring Brenda on to the show, uh, anything going on, anything you're looking forward to or anything that you're just kind of keeping, uh, keeping tabs on? Yeah, so we are really in the throes of legislative session. I'm trying to adjust to most of it being virtual, um, learning as we go, and very busy. Hence me being excited uh, for the end of the week. All right. All right. So next, we're going to bring in our special guest. Again, we have Brenda Wolf, president and CEO of La Rabita Children's Hospital. Welcome, Brenda. Welcome to Sam Says. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate, I always appreciate any opportunity to talk about La Arbita because it really is a special place in the Chicagoland area. All right. And so we're excited to uh, to have you on the show and to dive into today's conversation. But before we do that, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about La Rabita and how you fit into the Chicagoland healthcare delivery system? I would be glad to. So Larabita is what's called a specialty pediatric provider. We're located in Chicago's South Side, actually right in Jackson Park. We specialize in particular populations of kids and delivering particular services. We really view ourselves as a complement to the major um, pediatric providers in the Chicagoland area. On the inpatient side, we primarily provide what we call transitional care services. Children from the NICUs and the PICUs throughout the Chicagoland area and even beyond are transferred to La Rabita as a step to going home. What we try to do, they're well, first of all, they're well enough to leave the ICU, but they're not yet well enough to go home. So we work on stabilizing them. We work on figuring out their care plan for life at home. We always talk about if you were in a pediatric intensive care unit, you know, there's, it's daytime 24 seven. So if you get medications every two hours, no big deal, the nurse is there. But for a child to go home, you can't, you don't want a family member to have to get up every two hours to give medications. So we try to develop a plan that's amenable to life in a home setting. We obviously also work on what will be needed to get a child home how to teach their family members how to care for them, how to stabilize them as much as possible, and then also work with the family on procuring the services, the equipment, the supplies that they need at home. And finally, while a child's at La Arbita, we are really committed to focusing on the child's actual development. They're emotional, they're social, they're physical, they're cognitive, because many of these kids have been in ICUs for a long period of time, and they've just not had the typical child development activities that they should have had and based on whatever their disability or needs are. So that's really our inpatient program. 
Um, but most of our kids, fortunately, I guess, never see the inpatient unit. It's a very small unit, 34 beds, but we have a really robust outpatient set of services. Uh, first of all, we offer specialty care in particular chronic conditions, such as sickle cell, diabetes, cerebral palsy, sort of the typical specialty care, although with many support services. But we're also an NCQA recognized patient center medical home for about 4,000 kids. These kids that I've just talked about, who it's very difficult for a pediatrician or a family practitioner in a typical health center to be able to really provide all the care and services. So we do basic well child care, immunizations, you know, typical childhood illnesses, but we also deal with the child's chronic condition. We have certain specialists on staff that are part of the, the team, and then an array of other supportive services, nurse educators, social workers, nutritionists, respiratory care professionals, developmental professionals, and so on and so forth, and care coordination. So we're really the hub to help families and kids access services, whether it's the right school placement, whether it's uh, something in the home setting, we're here for the whole thing. Um, so that's really, a, you're laughing, Sam. No, I was saying, and that's why La Robita is so special. Like it is just, such a unique place. We are so lucky to have it in Chicago. I mean, these kids and these families are going through so much and you guys really step up and try to pro and provide that comprehensive care, really wrap services around um, members to improve their outcomes and, um, you know, really improve their lives. And so that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because La Robita is just one of a kind. Um, you, you got it. You can be our, our emissary. I also want to say, in case people don't know, and we wear this as a bad of courage, 90% of our families are insured through the Medicaid program. And we're proud to say that we contract with all the Medicaid managed care plans because we think it's really important for access to our kids and their families. And, and that's why I love La Robita. It's, it's not only that the work you do, but it's the commitment to the families you serve, to the Medicaid families, to the Medicaid program. And you know, that's not always what we see, but when we see it, it's it's just amazing. And so the work you guys do is always hard, right? Like the, the families you're serving, the kids you're serving, it's complex. And then you put a pandemic and the last year on top of the already hard work you do at normal times. How have you really sort of navigated that space? And I imagine telehealth has been a, a key role on, in serving these families um, over the past year. Well, well uh, you know, we've done many things to support our families during this, whether it's doing well-being calls, uh, doing, we actually, our staff did a diaper drive uh, for the community. So we've tried to do lots of things for the pandemic, but I will talk specifically about telehealth. So, you know, we had kind of pre-pandemic, we kind of started to talk about telehealth and we were pretty focused at the time of looking at it as a way to reduce the number of trips some of our inpatient kids have to take because we're always committed to whatever specialist they worked with previously that we do not want to break that relationship. So we have bundle up our kids, it's not always bundled. Sometimes it's warm in Chicago, but we bundle up their kids. We have to call an ambulance. We have to have staff accompany them. They have to go to another site. They have to wait for the physician to be available and on and on and on. 
And so we invested in a telehealth cart so that we not reduce all visits, but use it as a way to perhaps have a pre-visit or determine that a visit is a necessary or an interim visit where the cart has the technology so that you can get in-depth otoscope, uh, you know, looking at the ears, this looking at the skin integrity and so on and so forth. So we had just begun that when we got to last year in March and everything shut down. And suddenly here we were, and primarily the concern wasn't for our clinic services. Now, we knew that we would never completely shut down. Obviously, there's urgent needs, but something that we started right from the beginning, we knew the biggest mistake would be to postpone all the vaccinations because that only would have potentially caused other problems down the road. And also we have some kids that we really have to see them, touch them, do lab work. So we knew that we would never go down to zero. But we also knew that we had to have something uh, because A, some of our families would be concerned. Many of our families take public transportation and we knew that they weren't gonna be able to get to us nor did we want them to get to us. So. I kind of chuckle because if we had started to talk about using telehealth for our outpatient services, we would have probably had a committee or two and we would have evaluated all these products and then people wouldn't have agreed upon them and we would have worked and worked and worked and finally we would have gotten there, but it would have taken a long time. But instead, in one week's time, we set up telehealth. I am laughing because it was, it was the same for plans, right? And it was the same for the entire Medicaid program. We in the Medicaid program, and as which you're well aware, but we used to have a very narrow telehealth benefit. Um, and we've been talking about expanding telehealth for years. And, you know, we were sort of getting closer and we we're having committee discussions and talking about what codes and what services. And then in a matter of weeks, we had billing guides out, we had webinars educating providers, we had a whole program stood up. And it, it was just amazing to see what the healthcare community can do when you have no other choice and you have to meet the needs of the community. And it, it, exactly the same situation, I think, across the board. It's like, oh, we have to do this now, right now. Yeah, so that was great. So it was pretty simple for our behavioral health services. They went to 100% telehealth. We got to about 80% in our clinic visits, um, and some. And then we also our re, even our some of our rehab services, PT, OT, speech took a little longer, but mm -hmm. went to telehealth. One of the things that we learned um, for that was that obviously the families didn't have the equipment that they would have coming into La Arbita. So we have a special equipment fund that's funded through philanthropy. So we, through Amazon primarily, would send families a therapy ball or other kinds of equipment so they could have it at home so that we could do the therapy. But back to the clinic services, I think one of the things that we learned that was is so helpful, A, you know, even though we have a team, when kids and families come to the hospital for visits, they see each team member individually. They see the uh, primary care doc, maybe the pulmonologist, maybe the nurse educator. Actually, through the telehealth visits, the whole team is meeting with the family at one time. And that really, in a way, really promotes being an interdisciplinary team. But the other thing that has been so helpful is we see the child and the family in their home setting. And there's so much that we learn about the home, providing advice about 
how the things are configured. In our case, some of our kids have huge equipment needs and monitors, and we can actually make suggestions. We can actually see the monitor. Um, so that has been so helpful. And the other piece is that many of our kids have multiple caregivers, maybe the whole family. In some cases, there's even nurses coming in the home. It could be more than just whoever brought the child to the clinic appointment. The entire family members or caregivers can also be part of the telehealth visit. So we've seen that as really helpful. And then last but not least, again, I'm obviously talking about outliers. Some of our kids live at home, but in order to come for a clinic visit, they have to be put in an, ambul an ambulance to come for the visit. That's trying, I'm not even going to go through all the details, but that's trying in so many levels. So we're never, this, all we're saying is that this is a wonderful piece in an arsenal in a care plan. It is not for every visit, but it's for some visit. And we want to figure out the way, what is the perfect blend? And just throw in one other thing. If pe people say that this is cheaper and therefore shouldn't get paid for in the same way, you know, the more you do for a child in the clinic, you bill for those things. So if we're not doing lab work, we're not billing for the lab work. And actually some of the work we do to set up the telehealth visit in terms of actually reaching the family in advance to make sure this is, it should be telehealth or not. It probably takes more resources to do the telehealth visit in that way than it does for a typical visit when the family comes to us. Right, and I, I love that um, sort of the realization of you can, you can do more, you can see more. We've heard that a lot, especially in behavioral health, really understanding um, and having people almost open up more when they're yeah. in their home and they're more comfortable rather than a, a clinic setting. Not that, that, not that La Robita isn't warm and lovely, but it, it is still not their home. Right. Um, and, and so that has some unique insights. And I don't know that we fully like appreciated all of that benefit a little over a year ago. Um, with regards, I mean, so your utilization, you walked us through some of your utilization. What are you seeing from outcomes as well? I mean, on, are you seeing, I imagine, fewer cancellations, um, improved satisfaction with, with families? Well, sad to say, I guess, or good to say, our show rate has increased, um, which is makes us happy, kind of makes us a little sad. But um, I think that is the thing that's, the, that's really standing right out there, that the show rate has improved. But we look at the show rate both face-to-face um, yeah, -face and not, and actually our face-to-face -face show rate has also improved. So maybe by really figuring out when it's really needed makes a difference in, in both ways. I like that. And I hadn't realized or thought about, obviously you think on the telehealth, no show rates are going to go down, show rates are going to go up, but I really like that that you're seeing it on the in-person side as well. And that, like you said, might be because you have that full continuum of care, you're able to plug in telehealth when it's appropriate, and then you're able to communicate to families, oh, this in-person visit is critical. And so there's that, you know, that level of um, recognition. Uh, that it, you know, that this, you need to participate and you need to show up. And also that maybe it's less burdensome because it's not every visits in person. It's just that some are. That would be our hypothesis for sure. Um, as we, um, you know, continue to use telehealth, what things should health plans and providers be thinking about, you know, to grow, um, to evolve and grow and to ensure the system continues to expand and most importantly, and I know this is key to La Robita, expand in an equitable way. 
Well, you know, first of all, it was surprising to us because there was this grave concern that our families wouldn't be equipped to do this. And I would say that was something that really didn't happen to any great extent that they didn't have the, you know, a, a phone or an iPad or Wi-Fi, but we did assist them if that was the case. But I would think that if it became more sort of part of life, that might be something that you'd want to assess at intake and talk, see with the plans about what we could do. And of course, as you think further down the road for some kids, you know, are there, I know there's more done with adults with like blood pressure and things like that, but to think about where there'd be devices that could be placed in the home that would even take the telehealth visit one step further. Right. And I think we're seeing sort of the same thing with adults and we know um, with seniors as well. And, and the plans have stepped up and I think providers have as well for those, for those members that don't have the iPad or a computer, you know, and especially members with chronic needs, you know, arranging for them to get that technology so they can can have those telehealth visits. Um, I, I think that's critical and it, and it does help address some of the equity um, for those families. Is there anything else you want to sort of say about La Rubita's telehealth journey or, you know, lessons learned, um, you know, as we sort of continue, I imagine, you know, for still very much in the throes of a pandemic? Well, for us, we want telehealth to stay in the right way. And we've actually kind of adopted telehealth in some other ways on our inpatient unit. We now do not for all kids, but for our most complex kids. We actually do a telehealth handoff with the referring institution where the care team of the child at the, in the ICU and our care team meet virtually. The child is in the, we meet in the child's room and that's beyond telephone calls and reading records and stuff. It's care member, team member, care team member who actually meet and also to talk more about the nuances of care and the other exciting pieces. If the family wants to, they can be a part of that as well. So it's like really a warm handoff that the family seems, here's this nice team, there's another nice team that's gonna take um, care. And we also do it then a couple of days after the child arrives at La Vida, so that the other team can see that everything is well and maybe ask questions about something we didn't cover before. I love that because I think, we've, as we've talked about, we think of telehealth mainly in the outpatient setting, but it has a real role to play in inpatient as well, whether, like you said earlier, limiting um, you know trips out out of the facility and bringing in those specialty um, specialists via technology. Um, but then also that that warm handoff and especially for kids and families with children with chronic diseases and, and chronic conditions, how comforting that must feel that, that everybody's on the same page, that there's been that dialogue um, and that everyone has that, that kid's best interest um, in mind and they're on the same page. I think that must be so comforting um, for families and probably just improve the dialogue from the very beginning. It also, I've been working in pediatric care forever and wherever I've worked, whoever's taking care of the child now never thinks that the next level of care is gonna be as good. And it's, there's, it always creates all this anxiety and I'm never, it's never gonna go away, but maybe with the care teams meeting each other, that will help make it easier. And we've also used it for after discharge. Again, some of our kids don't remain patients of ours. They go back to wherever referred them to us, but we now do a telehealth visit 
again, with our most complex kids, with the family after they've gotten home. So again, so we can really see into the home that we can provide more advice about where the equipment is and have a face-to-face -face visit with them, you know, the family after the child has left Larabita, especially when we've spent so much time training and working with the family. That makes okay. absolute sense. Okay, unfortunately, I think we're gonna have to cut it there. Um, special thank you to La Rabita and Brenda Wolf for taking some time to, uh, to come and talk to us today on Sam Says. Brenda, we would welcome it if you'd come back and speak with us in the future, if you don't mind. I'm always happy to do that. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. And Sam, before we wrap, uh, that was a great conversation between you and Brenda. Uh, what's one thing that, uh, that stuck with you and or just something that you're going to keep uh, tabs on as, as we close out this episode? You know, I always first, I love Brenda. I love La Rabita. I truly, they are just such a special, special organization. Um, use of telehealth inpatient for that warm welcome, for that, you know, that ensuring that the teams of, you know, both organizations are on the same page. And then the discharge planning process, really making sure that families are set up for success. I think that's something that really, I don't know that we've talked about enough and could be replicated across other facilities as well, whether it be for children or adults with chronic conditions really could be a best practice that I think La Rabita has implemented and um, it's just really amazing. Okay, definitely something to keep tabs on for the future. If you like what you've heard, we encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at imhip.net. That's I-A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. And we also encourage you to please like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you're interested in becoming a trusted partner like La Rabita, I encourage you to reach out to I'm Hip's Chief Operating Officer, Elena Kennedy, or visit the website at I'mHip.net. Okay, thank you again and, uh, for listening. On behalf of Sam and the wonderful team at I'm Hip, I'm DeRondal Beverly with the Gemini Group. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.